Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Oklahoma opens up the 2023 season with a convincing 73 to nothing victory over Arkansas State on a very hot day at Owen Field, another 11 a.m. kickoff, but uh, no big deal. Oklahoma wins and was sharp from the beginning. We're here to talk about it here uh, probably about four or, five a- four or five hours after the game ended. Uh, Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson. For the first time, we decided in a decade or so, we watched an OU game together in the same room so we could comment on it. And now we're able to actually record the podcast the same day of the game, which means that you all will be able to listen to this podcast a lot earlier than usual. Uh, Grant, welcome in. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, put it this way: this this will be the way we start the podcast. I think I'm a little bit more positive about this one than maybe you are. Is that fair to say? Maybe, but like, that's, I mean, you're still positive. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I guess. With this one, I, I'm basically trying to find interesting things to take away. So it's like you're, it's it's almost like you're trying to nitpick stuff, which is which is hard. They won seventy three to nothing. I like winning seventy three to nothing. That was way better than what we saw over the last ten games of last season. So yeah, I think Oklahoma from the get go came out incredibly sharp. Let's see, they get the ball first, they score pretty much right away. Three and out, Gavin Freeman takes a punt back and I tweeted out I that's something along the lines of like that's about the best way you could ever start a game I mean I can't recall them starting a game uh, that well uh, just about perfect and I guess from, from my perspective given my expectation level for this team talked about in our big season preview gun to my head as far as a win total which is set at nine and a half I took OU's under I you know nine and three sounds about right to me which technically would be under which is still though an improvement from last year at six and six in the regular season. And so given my expectation level, how last season ended, how last season went, incredibly pleased with this game. Like, I know it's Arkansas State. I get it. But I think there's been Oklahoma teams in the past with way bigger expectations than this one who have not looked anywhere near this solid on opening day. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And so, like, what I, I think one of the biggest takeaways you can have from this game is that they play. I mean, this Arkansas State is bad. That's a bad football team that they just played. But they did what they were supposed to do. They were locked in. That from from the opening get go, they were there to dominate, and they did. And you know what? I'm. They poured it on, and they were not shy about pouring it on. I like that. That is good. Blowing teams out is good. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things here. I, I think most of my thoughts for this game are with the offense. Um, defensively, I, I don't really have a lot of takeaways. I'm just not really sure how much we can take away from what we saw defensively. Um, but offensively, that's where most of the fireworks were. And I think that's probably where we should start. Um, I think Lee, the most interesting part about this is we, you know, a couple of weeks ago on our, one of our first preview pods, when we sort of started this back up again for this season, um, I said my big, the biggest question mark on this team was the pass catchers essentially. Whereas I just don't know if they're any good. Um, Biggest takeaway from this game, Lee, is that wide receivers looked great. They looked excellent. Um, it, it surprised me a little bit of how good they looked. Um, and, of course, you got to tip your cap to Dylan Gabriel as well. Uh, obviously played his best game as, as an Oklahoma quarterback up to this point. Uh, take it with a grain of salt because it is Arkansas State. But, man, he did exactly what you needed to. He was accurate. That's the most accurate he has been in a Sooner uniform. And I'm, I'm delighted by that. Yeah, Dylan was incredibly sharp. I think, I think that was his best game of his career. 
at least statistically, it definitely was. I was going back through his game log. Uh, he has not had a game that good, and I'm not the biggest fan of QBR, but that's his highest QBR game of his career today. I mean, 19 to 22. I mean, almost perfect through the air. 308. Only two touchdown passes. Did rush for one additionally. So the QBR was around. Let me see if I can get back to is it 90 97.1. So I mean, uh, pretty close to perfect. Uh, he was sensational. You know, the, a big joke last year with Dylan Gabriel, and not even really a joke, it was just kind of a fact, was he was good for five to seven to eight just kind of wild throws per game where you're just like, well, yeah, it just happens. Today, there was none. I mean, he was sharp on the money and dialed in. And so we were talking about this during the game, and I'm surprised we haven't really brought it up yet. And maybe those around OU football and the media have talked about this, and we're just late to the party. But, you know, if we think, you know, we hope, and today there's a little bit of evidence to back it up, although, again, it is Arkansas State, but we saw Jack Snarl come into the game in the second half and looked very good, too, just as good as Dylan Gabriel. What if this season, the fact that Jackson Arnold is there, and if he's good, which it looks like he can be pretty good after one game, maybe that can make Dylan Gabriel better? Because last season we know, especially in hindsight, he had nobody pushing him in that quarterback room. It was him and... He was there by himself. So, I mean, Dylan Gabriel with a little bit of competition of like, you know what? If I'm not even better this year, I mean, I, I know that uh, Brent Venables has been on a, on a coach team where a true freshman quarterback was brought in ahead of a, a veteran player, Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant. I mean, I don't know if that's what Dylan Gabriel has even thought of, but he's a smart guy. I wouldn't be surprised. So, in a way, I mean, maybe that's just something that could help out Dylan Gabriel. And again, best game of his career today, and he was incredibly sharp, and he made those pass catchers look really good. And so I, I'm man, there was one throw that really stood out to me. Um, and of course, you know, he, he had some ones, especially some deep throws that he connected on that were really nice. But man, there was a throw where he rolled out on, and he actually threw across his body, and he hit Nick Anderson on one. And um, to me, that, that looked like real growth. That's that. That's a throw. That's a play that they tried at times last year, and he just wasn't accurate with it at all. And I know it's one throw, it's one whatever, but like, man, that was nice to see. It was just, it was nice to see just a little bit of a step forward from him. Um, again, against Arkansas State, but but man, I they, he he played really really well. That's kind of all you can ask for in, in this first game, especially when you're going up against a, such an overmatched opponent. So, hats off, hats off to him, and then. You bring up Jackson Arnold. Yeah, man. I This is one of the things, and I, this is probably going to be sort of like a little bit of a grab bag here, but Arnold started the second half, and they they, they had they ran a lot of designed runs for him. And um, just going to throw this out here. It, it kind of feels like that that's intentional, and that's going to be part of the offense this year. I think that might be the little, the kind of curveball thing that they have with Jackson Arnold, maybe getting in like even when the games are still games, I think it's going to be that running package that we saw. Him basically running the bell dozer is what it was. Yeah, I mean, he looked incredibly athletic, and I know he's not, you know, he's not Davis Bevel size. You know, he's not 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but, I mean, what is he, about 6'1", or so, and he looks so much bigger out there, he's I think, thick. than he really is. He, yeah, he's thick, and, I mean, again, only a true freshman, so he's got good size, and he's very athletic. He's a smooth runner. I mean, we, I saw a little bit of his high school tape, and, uh, more, more so him throwing the ball around, but you know, you saw a little bit of him running and, and he looks very comfortable doing that. Uh, but I good. was, I mean, I was really just how comfortable he looked in the mid range passing game was 
awesome. And and all of the throws were teed up for him. They yeah. were all schemed open for him. But just of just the rhythm and how comfortable he looked was I mean, that's that's awesome, man. It's like is there any is there any doubt that in a pinch he could come in and he could at least do that with with the starters on offense? Whereas last year, that just that wasn't even a thing. If Davis Bevel had to come in, there was no more passing offense. Yeah, by the way, Jackson Arnold, so comes in third quarter, 11 of 11, 114 through the air, one touchdown passing, five carries, 39 yards, and an additional touchdown on the ground. By the way, you mentioned Nick Anderson, that one throw that Gabriel made that you were impressed by, that was the one throw of the game where I think I was looking away and I actually missed that play because I think it was either the next snap or two snaps later, he went right back up top to Nick Anderson. It had been back-to-back plays. It was back to so and I saw that one and it was a deep ball down the down the uh, the far sideline. So, you know, Nick Anderson getting into the action and also Jaden Gibson getting in on the action, two players where coming into this year, I know that the the narrative was that Oklahoma's wide receiver core was uh, you know, there's question marks surrounding it. It's Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops and, you know, and who else is there? There's young players. And I, I was kind of hoping, I was saying, you know, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, I like both of those guys. I, I'd like to think that they can step up. Okay, after game one, there's some promise there. Uh, Jaden Gibson making not one but two really nice plays. Um, the second one, uh, it was knocked kind of out of the air, and then he was able to regather and catch a touchdown pass, I believe. I think that was a touchdown catch from Jackson Arnold. And then, of course, Nick Anderson, you know, the, the aforementioned him getting into the action. So those are two players I had a lot of hope for this year, and it's good to see them start the game really strongly. Uh, and also on top of that, Grant, Andrew Anthony from the start, uh, we were talking off air before the podcast. To you, it looks like, uh, and maybe not just to you, but a lot of people, maybe he is going to be a guy that, that is a huge part of this offense. So uh, just one other th- uh, on what you said there. Jaden Gibson, huge daps to, to Jaden Gibson. Um, Felt like I was kind of harsh on about a week and a half ago on that first pod. Said something earlier on the preview this week about how I hope he proves me wrong. And there you go. That was that's what we were kind of hoping to get when when Jaden Gibson signed here. That's what that's what he was doing a lot on his high school tape. So, man, that's good to see. Hopefully, that kind of lights a fire under him. That's it. Just sort of gives him get, gets him over the hump a little bit. Uh, but that's two really nice plays he made. And man, he 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 obviously really needed that. And um, that's one of those. That's that's. This is a situation, this game, where you come in as as focused and prepared as they were, and you're able to dominate like that. That give guy that gives guys like Jaden Gibson a lot of kind of rope there to go out and make plays without a lot of pressure. And man, you hope that he can just sort of build on that, and that's that's big. And and obviously, I'm really happy with with what we saw from Nick Anderson as well. Um, but back to Andrew Anthony, um, when this game in essentially in the first quarter is basically when he got the most run when it seems, but. From the get-go, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems like how they called the plays in that first quarter, he's the go-to guy. That's kind of what it seems like, which is that's that's absolutely what they needed. And, man, he looked good. He did look good. I, I, I'm not sure if I can say he looked like a number one, but he looked like a, he looked like a really good college receiver. I'll take that. Yeah, three catches, 66 yards, and it was in that first series where they dial up a shot play to him down the field. He made a really nice catch, you know, 45 yards down the field. Uh, that led to uh, Drake Stoops' touchdown on that opening drive to make it 7 nothing. Uh, by the way, obviously, Drake Stoops looked pretty good, and then he got banged up, knocked out with a shoulder injury. Uh, afterwards, Venables talked about it, and it sounds like it, it's not too big of a deal. We'll see if, if he's able to get back out there next week. Um, but uh, God, I had one more thought I thought I had on, on uh, maybe not even – 
Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, good stuff on Anthony. Also, I thought of one other thing back to Jaden Gibson. As you were talking about Gibson, uh, how strong of a start it is in game one. You know, he made that nice uh, catch kind of going over top, his first catch down by the goal line, just short of the end zone. And then, of course, the touchdown that took a lot of concentration. Now, compared today, Grant, to when the, f- the first time last season when we saw Gibson kind of get a chance at TCU and his first, uh, uh, you know, his first opportunity to make a play, he didn't. He dropped a pass on third down. And who knows how much that affected him and that led because he, he was kind of absent all season. Now you fast forward this year and he makes a couple of really nice catches. You only hope, obviously, that he can build off that and his confidence will be sky high. Where do you want to go from here? I guess uh, we've done quarterback. We've done receiver. I think the next logical move is to go to the running back room, which if, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, there's we're just kind of picking nits if you want to find some bad things. But the running back room maybe on the offense is like the one kind of place where you can maybe pick some nits. Uh, fair or foul? I think it's fair, but like it's it's also it's not like I, compared to the passing game and the receivers and the quarterback. Yeah, I, honestly, the running backs in the running game was a little underwhelming. Uh, but also, I, I don't that group and and Bill Biedenbaugh and his and his group and all that they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt. They looked kind of sketchy in the first couple games last year too, and they ended up being the best running team in the Big Twelve last year. So. Um, and, and who knows the, the health situation, but I thought the most interesting thing of, of the four running backs who got run in this game, um, I thought Tawi Walker by far looks the best of all of them. Yeah, I did too. He ended up getting the start. I know Marcus Major was at the top of the depth chart, uh, although was he there or Tawi Walker? So I think it, he was it, he was the or with and I, Marcus Major, I think, did get announced as the starter on the video board, but that wasn't the case. Tawi Walker started the game, got the first touch, had the first carry. And uh, I thought he was the best-looking running back of the bunch. Uh, Javante Barnes, I believed, got in kind of like in the third series. I mean, Marcus Major was the second back to come in. And uh, Tommy Walker, uh, Javante Barnes had the most run, uh, 13 carries, 49 yards. His longest was for 16. Marcus Major had the second-most carries, 9 for 31. And the thing is, I mean, Tommy Walker had eight touches, or eight carries, rather. And, uh, I mean, to me... Javante Barnes looked exactly the same as he did last year. A guy that falls forward, uh, not particularly explosive, uh, and stiff. And it, even though I know he's supposed to be healthy now with his, his foot, to me it kind of almost looked like he was favoring his feet sometimes after, you know, after plays. He was kind of jogging back to the huddle. I don't know. Maybe that was just my imagination. Uh, but to me, Javante Barnes, after last week saying, hey, like, or a couple weeks ago when I learned that he had been injured, all of last year I was all of a sudden okay now I'm I want to see him healthy and how he looks and to me in game one Grant he looked exactly the same as he looked last year which to me again like that's not a he's not a bad like he's a good player it's just he's he's a player that is kind of like uh he's not really an explosive player in my mind and then on this on the flip side Marcus Major also looked like Marcus Major when he's able to play uh, nothing particularly special. And both of those players, Grant, averaged uh, less than four yards per carry. Uh, meanwhile, Tawi Walker averaged five and a half yards per carry. So, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, the running game, I think, was fine. They did exactly what it was supposed to do. But, again, in a day when the offense was so elite, if you want to pick any sort of nit, it's with the running game. But it, it still it, it wasn't like it was bad. It was just, it was just kind of it, it was kind of average to slightly above, uh, above average. Yeah, and I think what – Going into the season, I think a lot of us were counting on the running game, maybe improving this year, but most, maybe not in efficiency, but just being more explosive. Um, whereas the, that just wasn't the case. They looked about as efficient as they were last season uh, in the same level of explosiveness, which was 
not really that explosive. Um, and yeah, of kind of the three main backs, the guys who are actually on the depth chart, in terms of how they looked, I'd, I'd rank them Tawi, Marcus Major, and then Javante Barnes. I didn't think Barnes looked that good either, um, which is... But, you know, whatever. We'll see. I Eric Gray didn't look that great in the first couple games last year either. Um, and he ended up being one of the best running backs in college football last year. So um, perhaps that's just one of those things like flow of the game type deals. Um, and, then, and then also, I mean, we didn't see Sawchuk. I think there's kind of some, some whispers and stuff that he was going to be held out um, dealing with a hamstring thing. And so hopefully that's not too, you know, that's, that, that's not too serious because I, I got to say, based off this sample that we got here and then just comparing to what we saw of Sawchuk in the Cheez-It Bowl, that's still the best an OU running back has looked in the last two years. And he's, if that's Sawchuk fully healthy, he's, he's, he's the best running back on this team. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's just, but now I'm wondering, okay, as and I mentioned, I think a couple episodes ago that I'd heard rumors and uh, that the reason why he didn't play at all last year till the bowl game was that he was dealing kind of with some nagging injury stuff all year, which I didn't know at the time. And then now he's not even playing in game one because of a hamstring. It's like, okay, is this one of those guys who's always going to be injured? That's frustrating because yes, against Florida State and the Cheez-It Bowl, he was by far the best running back on the field. And the best running back I've seen Oklahoma have, I mean, well, I guess, I, I mean, definitely last season. Because, uh, I mean, they've had some good guys, obviously, in the last handful of years. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if he's a guy that can't be available, then it's not going to matter, obviously. So uh, he needs to get healthy, no doubt about it. And if he can't stay healthy, and this is Oklahoma has to work with, I mean, I like Tawi Walker, but he's just kind of a bowling ball type player. He's not, he's not a particularly explosive player either. To me, he looks like the, – the reason he looks like the best of them right now today – he just seems like to have a better feel for where to go. His vision seems to be a lot better than Javante Barnes's vision, and also Marcus. He's got Major's the best vision. feet. He just, for whatever reason, he gets he gets north and south quicker than anybody. This is and very like, efficient. With and the I way still say, yeah. and this is, and I know this is, it's this is a long time ago now, relatively speaking. But he's he, he's Chris Brown, man. He's he just looks like Chris Brown out there. He looks like Chris Brown. Same number, the same numbers, s- same body type, runs the same way. Chris Brown was faster, though. Uh, I think that's not, probably right. That's probably right. Uh, so, yeah, and by the way, speaking of guys running, just real quick, we'll throw in uh, more praise for Dylan Gabriel. There was that stretch, one of those series in the first, maybe the first quarter, I don't know, where Dylan Gabriel was showing his scrambling ability like we know he has. Uh, he scrambled and picked up a bunch of yards to get inside the 10-yard line, and then his touchdown run was really pretty. It was, it was pretty slick, actually. It was, <laughs> and it was um, the best part about it was just like how casual it was. It was mm-hmm. smooth. And yeah. uh, and that's and we we saw that a little bit last year where kind of in a phone booth he can actually make some people miss yeah which is which is great and hey I I will say because just to you know throw other sort of nitpicky stuff out of there there were a couple of TFLs on running backs where I felt if Gabriel would have kept it he would have had a lot of green grass yeah. going around the the crashing defensive end which. I felt like that was a problem last season and maybe exasperated just because there was no backup, so maybe he just was not keeping it because of that. Um, but hopefully that can be kind of ironed out a little bit because, there, I mean, man, that's those are some explosive plays waiting to happen because Gabriel can run. He, he's a good runner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, he's, he's obviously a small guy, and you don't want him taking on hits. Uh, but in the open field, I think he can definitely do some damage. Looking back at my notes, and I, I realize I know we kind of moved on from the receivers, but uh, I think it is worth mentioning that, I mean, Oklahoma's leading pass catcher was Jaquez Petaway, true freshman. He had nine catches for 56 yards. So, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, 
as far as like, you know, yards per catch kind of low, but it was good to see him get a lot of action, had a lot of catches, Grant. And then I feel like we didn't really give an, a whole lot of uh, praise to Gavin Freeman. I mean, in the offense, his numbers weren't very gaudy, but he did score two touchdowns and he did have the punt return touchdown, which which was pretty nasty, which is awesome. It was a great punt return touchdown. And like I will say, like we saw the we saw him score on his first touch last year in that first game. Um, and maybe this is me. I'm just living in the moment. He looked a lot faster on this punt return. Right. Uh, great vision. He yeah. Was, and he was pulling away from guys. So he like and so hopefully that kind of all that talk in the offseason about how he had a great, great summer physically, great offseason physically. Uh, Cause yeah, he he did look explosive on that play. I like I I cannot deny that he looks like a guy that at least in special teams like that or even on like other teams are going to have to account for. Which man, that's cool. That's good. And I said this to you a little bit ago, uh, of course off the air. I, I mean, first of all, first of all, just the sidebar. I mean, first punt return touchdown for OU since 2016. D.D. Westbrook uh, early in 2016 or midway through 2016. Uh, hopefully, this is not like. Back in twenty, I think twenty eighteen, when OU game one, you know Shane Beamer was on staff, and OU blocks a punt, scores a touchdown against FAU, and everyone's excited about the special teams being different and everything. But then the rest of the season, I don't really recall any sort of electric or game changing special teams plays. Hopefully, this great special teams play in week one, a punt return touchdown, is a sign of more things to come, more excellent special teams, because it's something that we've been just hungry for at Oklahoma ever since really the early Bob Stoops days is that fair to say or is maybe that is that too hyperbolic uh, I mean I don't know if it's hyperbolic but yeah I mean there's like late stage Bob Stoops they and also Lincoln Riley they just it was it was basically in their charter as a program we're not returning punts we are I mean, going special to just, teams can make it such a can make a huge difference right a massive difference if you're like that's that's where you can steal yards you can steal points on special teams because there's there's other programs and other teams that do not put as much emphasis on that, and we know that firsthand in this fan base mm. and where it can hurt you. Like they've lost, I mean, they've lost games to Kansas State because of special teams. Um, and so, yeah, just any sort of edge you can get is is great. So, um, really, I, generally, just a really great day for the offense. Obviously, anytime you score seventy three points, they didn't. I. Did they punt? They ended up punting one. They, Maybe their very one. last possession they punted. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you can, like you said, you can, you can pick as many nits as you want, but at the end of the day, if you're not punting for the first time until your third stringers are in and it's your last possession of the game when the entire stadium is already emptied out, I think you're probably where you want to be. Yeah, looking at the box, well, yeah, hey, it was Josh Plaster. He got in and uh, his punt, you know, his, his one punt of the day went 50 yards. That's a good punt. Good, good kick. So I want to uh, shout out uh, shout out a c- couple of the tight ends who caught passes as well. Blake Smith had a 28-yarder where he looked surprisingly athletic. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah. And Cade McIntyre also looked, he looked fast on his catch. But he also looked one of the weirdest body types I've ever seen out <laughs> like, on the field. He, he, the way his jersey was on him, his uniform, it just looked like to me like you were... Uh, like he was one of those guys like it was a varsity game and it was late in the game and he was like a JV player getting a chance to play in varsity and he was able to bust out because like he'd never put a uniform on before it was like the first time that's kind of the vibe I got from him but he he had an explosive play along with Blake Smith and I mean it's just one game but I think it's worth mentioning like those couple guys had some explosive plays and Austin Stogner was a non-factor I, I saw him on the field a couple of times but yeah I saw Blake yeah. Blake Smith to my eyes got the most run as tight end in the game which, okay, good. I mean, I, and if they can get anything out of those guys, that's kind of just icing on the cake. But I, I like, 
I kind of want to go back to Cade McIntyre because like he his catch was like one of those little bubble screens, and he kind of slipped a guy at the line of scrimmage, and he accelerated like really quickly. And so, and like I'm, I don't, I don't think Cade McIntyre is really going to be a factor this season. A lot going forward, but man, if he can put like 15, 20 pounds on and retain that speed, you might get, you might have something there. Maybe, perhaps. Uh, I before we move on to the defense, I, I think it's worth also pointing out uh, time of possession. That was a uh, you know talked about that in our big season preview and Jeff Lebby's offense and the tempo and everything and. Very, very, very strong start for Jeff Lebby, obviously, the way the offense played. I mean, time of possession was great, 37 to 23 about Oklahoma in control. I mean, that's not sustainable. That's not going to happen all year long unless Oklahoma's defense is just getting teams off the field over and over again like today, producing a lot of three and outs. But I got to say, I mean, everything for the offense for the most part was great. I mean, that's it's not an FCS team. It is Arkansas State. Their season win total was set at four and a half, which is not very good, obviously. So they're Arkansas State's not a good football team. Uh, at the same time, though, I mean, Texas played Rice today, and Rice's win total is set at four and a half, and uh, the Texas-Rice game wasn't really fully over after the first quarter like OU-Arkansas State was. So, I mean, Oklahoma did. The thing wasn't over at halftime. It was 16-3 to at halftime. So, so I mean, I got, I got, you're, you know, you're comparing different teams and stuff, but uh, it's just I think the point is, is that Oklahoma showed really, really well. Granted, I guess I just thought of this. I mean, Texas also has Alabama next week, and there's a great chance they don't want to show anything, and they're just incredibly vanilla. But yeah, but also the, OU, like every play that OU ran on offense, I recognized from last yeah, season. Yeah, pretty they vanilla running, too. They were just running their base stuff. Anyway. Pretty, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but, being vanilla, Texas should be able to run a, a Rice team, right? But yeah, of course. But like also, Lee, I mean, if if OU's first team offense stayed in the entire game. I genuinely believe that they would have scored a touchdown every single time they had the ball. There was not, which that's all you can ask for. I mean, that's that can that just cannot get any better. Well, great. Arkansas State was not going to stop them as long as the first team. They couldn't stop the second team guys either. Great. How about this? Not just the first team offense, the second team offense. It wasn't until the third string and fourth string quarterbacks came in. By the way, fourth string because uh, Davis Bevel got knocked out. And that didn't uh, look. That didn't look good. I hope he's okay. But that that did not that did not look great. No, no, it looked very awkward. Let's flip the script over to the defense. And my headlines for the defense is obviously number one shutout. That's great. Uh, that's got to be. That's the first shutout for Venables. Like, they didn't shut anybody out last year, did they? I don't remember no, a shutout. They got no. close with Kent State. But uh, true, true. And I mean, you got to. I mean, remember in 2021. And the only reason I remember this is because we were looking it up. Uh, OU did shut out a team in 2021. Granted, it was an FCS team, and that was Western Carolina. They beat uh, Western Carolina 76-0. But anyways, uh, first shutout for Brent Venables as a head coach. Uh, FBS team, um, so that's good. Not particularly flashy on defense. Uh, effective, though. I mean, a little over four yards per play. And I think the offense doing as well as it did, and then especially in the second half, slowing up the tempo shortening the game I think I look I'll do it off the top of my head I mean the defense only faced about 50 or 51 snaps all day Grant which again that's not going to be sustainable they're gonna they're gonna be having games where they face you know 70 70 80 snaps like like last year but I like that that's good keep those guys off the field and look look what happens the defense is rested they do really well and I mean granted Arkansas State's offense looked really bad but the defense steady not particularly flashy and they get the shutout what are your takeaways, headlines from the defense? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I think it's, 
I guess to me, it just kind of comes off as tacky if you if you have a lot of qualms after you just got to shut out. Uh, but I mean, there, there's some stuff that that looked very much like kind of vintage OU defense of the past ten years that that were showing up there. Um, I, I thought I thought there were too many open guys in in, in the secondary. Um, Arkansas State had some had some dropped passes as well where guys were open, and also, but hey, at the same time. Brent Venables' defense have always kind of given up explosive plays, even when they were at Clemson. That's how they gave up. That's how they gave up their yards at Clemson was typically just like big plays. Um, and for the most part, like Arkansas State gained half of their yardage on three pass plays in this game. And yeah, I I agree. I mean, there was about three to four plays, three to four drops in the secondary by Arkansas State receivers, pass catchers that would have resulted in probably first down plays if not more and that's that was Oklahoma getting a break and those guys just straight up dropping passes uh but I mean other than I mean that's like my one big nitpick uh, I know that uh you know havoc plays compared to last year were down only six TFLs uh only one sack that didn't happen until the second half that was Ethan Downs uh so the havoc plays are down so it it's almost like I wonder how much how much of that is a sign of things to come or are they maybe just not that strong up front I know I was looking on Twitter we'll kind of get to our three-word reviews later but there's some questions like where was the defensive line you know I mean obviously we we love Todd Bates and you know we like the guys they got up up front but I mean there wasn't a whole lot of you know defensive pressure I know Venables after the game talked about how OU was only rushing four and there was a lot of seven eight man protection designs by Arkansas State like they they were you know trying not to get sacked so it was difficult for Oklahoma to get after the quarterback uh, but how much of that, too, is Oklahoma maybe like, you know what, we're going to kind of pack it in a little bit. We're not going to give up explosive plays. And we're going to keep things in front of us here in game number one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll find out more, I think, as the season goes on, obviously. Uh, there's not a whole lot to take from this game, this first game, though, I don't think. No, Aside from I, it's just that the defense pitched a shutout. And, again, it wasn't particularly flashy. Uh, but, I mean, I, it's, it's a positive step. No, I, I, I agree. I, like, I'm... When I think really deeply about it, I, I just I, I just don't think there's a whole lot you can take from the game. Um, they're gonna get better. They're gonna. That's. I I don't know. Yeah, I I know a lot of people are probably gonna be talking about the pass rush and everything. Um, it didn't it didn't really ever seem like J T. Shrout was like comfortable back there. It's like they never really had like a clean pocket to throw from. Um, he was they were flushing him a lot and. But yeah, of of course you kind of hope to see him get him on the ground a little bit more, but. Whatever, man. They won seventy three to nothing. So, like, I'll you know, I'll I'll, I'll take it. I'm not going to sit there and be and be upset about that. Um, it's obviously a really good foundation. I guess, yeah, it, it's tough. There was there because it just kind of seemed like Arkansas State's offense just really wasn't on the field a lot for the game. Um, and they did they rotated a lot on defense. I noticed they they rotated a lot. A lot of guys got in. Um, there really wasn't anybody who stood out to me like, oh gosh, that guy looked really good at all. It was just kind of. They were playing Arkansas State, and Arkansas State's really bad, and they won by 73 points. So Desan McCullough early in the game had a nice PBU on third down, but then he got banged up, and he missed a, a large portion of the game with an ankle injury, but it doesn't sound too severe, Venable said afterwards. I mean, that, that would be obviously an issue if, if he can't play. I want to see more of him. I mean, we all do. Uh, so, that, I mean, I was promising he was able to get a good PBU. Uh, the corners... Woody Washington, no surprise, but the corner opposite of him was Gentry Williams. Made he had a play. A run, really nice play coming up. Got a TFL. Uh, great, heady, instinctive play. I'm trying to think of other other defensive. I mean, Kenai Walker, you know what? 
I got a little egg on my face. I think I, I wrote Kanai Walker off based on the death chart this last week. And Kanai Walker comes in and makes a really great defensive play, forces a takeaway, and that led to an Oklahoma touchdown. So Kanai Walker, there you go. I, I'm always happy to be proven incorrect if I have a critical take about these guys. I want to be wrong because I want Oklahoma to be good. I want, I want these guys to be good. So that was good to see him uh, make the play. The one turnover of the day that was forced. So that was, uh, that was nice. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys got a lot of snaps. So, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on the linebackers, to be honest with you. I, don't, I honestly don't remember anything that stood out about the defensive line. <laughs> um, just because that's kind of just the way the game was. I mean, there was a, they stopped them on fourth down one time, the, the, and they got them off like on fourth and two or something. They got to stop, turnover on downs. Um, I mean, on their, when Arkansas State just tried to get in a run formation and run the ball, they were not successful. They could not. They could not run the ball. So that was that was a good thing. Um, their longest run of the game was ten yards, and it was a scramble. Nice. So I, it's, I, I thought they did a good job stopping the run game. Uh, you, you would, you, you'd like to see a little bit more kind of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, but it's not like they didn't have any. I think they had about three or four TFLs. Actually, no, it would have been five. Um, just based on just on the run game, they only ran it twenty three times. That's actually pretty. That's pretty good. I'll yeah, take great, that. Yeah, great run defense. Um, oh, yes, hats off. I think on the very first drive, it was right after he had the personal foul, which I I guess I'm the only one, even the TV guy. I thought it was weak sauce. That's a weak sauce flag that was thrown. On Pearson? Yeah, that's weak sauce, big time. When your entire body is out of bounds and you drill the quarterback. Bang, that's, bang. That's all happening. That's not That's all weak happening sauce. within less than a quarter of a second. <laughs> You're... If you are out of bounds and you're hitting the quarterback, that's obviously a late hit out of bounds. Yeah, that's, it, was, it was weak sauce. Um, <laughs> but the, the very the very next play, he came up and he had a TFL on where he shot the gap and he got the guy. And it's yep. it's pretty. And yeah, you know, Key Lawrence made some plays like that last year. But I kind of feel that's a play that I see other defenses and other programs make like all the time. <laughs> um, and man, it would be nice if we if we saw that pretty consistently this year. And Ginger Williams, as I go back through my notes, because as I was watching the game, it was nice to not, you know, be working on the sidelines. I could actually watch the game, and I took a bunch of notes throughout it because uh, it saves me time. And Ginger Williams had another nice play near the line of scrimmage in that game. And I, I take it back a moment ago. I said I don't remember anything from the defensive line that stood out. That's wrong. Uh, a third and long, they tried to do a drop play, and Jordan Kelly, I remember him getting a nice TFL on a on a run play. Um, that uh, that led to a missed field goal by Arkansas State. So there was almost the, the shutout was almost taken away there early on in the first quarter. Uh, a couple other just small things I remember from the game. I Woody Washington, I think a couple of times I I liked his coverage. He turned his head. He looked good. And then I think Billy Bowman on one like a third down play was kind of trailing and did a good job of catching up and turning his head and looking like he knew what he was doing back there in pass coverage. So just kind of small stuff like that. Uh, Look aware. Don't get called for dumb PIs like we've seen Oklahoma D-backs get called for a lot over the last handful of years. Other than that, defensively, I think that's about, that's about all I got as I scroll on through. Again, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can take away from other than, hey, a shutout's a shutout. That's great. Can't complain about that. I, I'm not sure. We, we learned a whole lot about the defense this week. We're going to learn a whole heck of a lot next week against SMU about the defense. Yep. They, they play well next week. Then, then it's it's okay if everyone kind of starts being like, okay, okay, maybe they got <laughs> something here. So, Lee, uh, I guess one thing that just just popped into my head here, um, 
last season, the main the main starting defensive end duo, Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, they were out there in the fourth quarter with the third string. That's yeah, I a, think they, but like, weren't they playing? I mean, were they not playing in the middle? I, I mean, I think everyone was kind of playing a lot. Downs, Downs, by my eyes, played a lot more than Grimes did. I, I didn't think that Grimes yeah. really got in there until it was the backups. Yeah, I mean, it's that's Even a great. Our Mason Thomas didn't play at all as he was banged up. Yes, yeah. So our Mason Thomas. Uh, afterwards, Venable said, it "Sounds like maybe he'll have a chance to play next week." Along, kind of along with Sawchuck. Uh, yeah, it's. But you're right. I mean, I think next week, and you've mentioned this before. We all kind of know that. I mean, everyone that follows OU, and, and you brought this up. I mean, next week is the interesting one. I mean, the, it'll be a, a big old test for the defense against SMU. Let's go over to three word reviews. And we'll start first on the West of Everest Facebook page. Thank you all for liking the West of Everest Facebook page. Thank you for being with us from the beginning or forever as long as we've had this Facebook page. It's been a while now. Uh, and so I asked you to drop your three-word reviews for OU beating Arkansas State. Uh, I started mine. By the way, OU was a 36-point favorite, and you could have doubled that number, and OU still would have covered the spread. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Elite teams grant. Double cover. This I just that is mixed. I just made that up. Uh, okay, so my three word review is OU flawless victory. I, again, not a whole lot I can say negatively about that game. I mean, seventy three to nothing. And again, giving my expectation for this team. You know, I'm somebody that uh, I I picked nine and three. So I mean, not a, not a ten win team. I mean, nine and three is not bad. I mean, it's better than last year. But man, I mean. That's that's a really good week one game against a bad football team. Uh, so I, I really appreciate the way Oklahoma played today. Uh, by the way, do you have a three-word review? You always kind of like – sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I, there, actually, you know what? You can think about it, and I'll, I'll read I'll read everybody else's here. And I, don't, I'll, I just put you on the spot, I realized. Uh, okay, first off, Harry. Harry says, special teams TD. And he has another one. Harry also says, Drake final play. As in – Drake Stoops' play where he got injured? I mean, I, I think it was a good play. I think, he's, I think he's speculating that he's seriously hurt and done for the year. Oh. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far. I, I hope not. What, I, I guess my, my initial instinct there was that he dislocated his shoulder, which I, guess I don't know a ton about that, but I, I, from what I know, like that would keep him out maybe for a couple weeks, two, three weeks. I believe Venables afterwards said it was an AC joint situation, which is uh, that's that makes me think of Sam Bradford. It's the Sam Bradford injury. I guess I don't. It maybe maybe it makes it a lot easier. Because like I'm trying to remember back. Because like gosh, I I read up so much on AC joint stuff when Bradford got hurt. I feel like that's like that's one where it really only hurts if you're trying to throw it, throw the ball. Yeah, Venables afterwards said that he. Uh, he, as in Stoops, maybe could have came back in if they would have needed him, but they didn't need him today. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's not like – I mean, we'll, we'll know if that's true or not because SMU is a good team. And so, like, if he really could have came back into the game, uh, that, I think that should mean that he should be good to go yeah. uh, against SMU. Yeah. So, and, we'll see. And hey, this, this, this staff does not have a track record of misleading on injuries, <laughs> just like, like the previous staff. More from the West of Everest Facebook page, three-word reviews. Longtime fan Phillip says, still cautiously optimistic. Okay. Yeah, good. Uh, that's, that's never a bad place to be. Uh, ben has a question with his three-word review. He says, where's D-line? 
okay. I mean, again, like we talked about the defense a moment ago. Like, like you said, like we said, there's not a whole lot you can learn from this game. Uh, next week, Ben, next week we might learn a little bit more about this defensive line, what they have. Yeah, I, can't, I just I can't be... I, I, I get where you're coming from. They, it's not like they disappeared in this game, but they didn't really strongly impact the game. We'll see you next week. We're gonna, really, really going to need them next week. To Michael on the West of Evers Facebook page, Michael says, whole lot of points. Hunter says, continue to work. And Hunter also adds this note. He says, I know a lot of people are asking about the pressure in the defensive line. It felt like Arkansas State was getting rid of the ball really fast, in my opinion. And to Hunter's point, Venables talked about that afterwards, is that, yeah, Arkansas State was dialing up a lot of uh, heavy protections, uh, max, max protect, and getting the ball out quickly. And I feel like we saw that a ton over the years in the Alex Grinch defense, you know, because, you know, how aggressive that defense has been. And obviously, Arkansas State knew that they were overmatched and like, okay, we don't want to just get ragdolled, so let's just get rid of the football. Again, like, I think it is really cool that next week, SMU coming to town, like, like we're going to certainly learn a lot more about this defense. And Epson, yeah, they, they, they blew out La Tech today, so we'll... Um We'll see. It's, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm interested to go back and rewatch that game to see how they looked and see what uh, what transpired in that one. But man, I don't know. I it's even even if we still kind of have questions about the pressure of the D line and everything, I'm sure glad they pitched a shutout. It's better than them not doing that. Well, yeah. I mean, think back to Hot last take. year. Yeah, it's like last year against UTEP. I mean, the defense looked pretty good in Week One, but they gave up a couple of touchdowns. Right. I mean, or, or maybe it was like a touchdown, some field goals. I mean, they gave up some scoring drives. I, it's, a, it's a shutout. I mean, they, they played a full 60 minutes. It's another kind of question coming into the year. Uh, I mean, again, it's Arkansas State, and it is worth mentioning because I think you brought this up a couple of weeks ago. We got to give this team a few weeks to really know what we got because after three weeks last year, that team was ranked. Oklahoma was ranked in the top 10. They looked really, really good. And then they went 6-7. and seven. So uh, it's a great start, but also – Cautiously optimistic, wait and see approach. It's, it's it's one game, but it's a really, really, really good start. Really great start. I we can definitively say that they they looked better today than they did last year in their opener. Um, yes, probably against a pretty similar opponent. Although the opponent last year, I thought had a pretty talented quarterback. This this time around, not at all. All right, more from the West of Evers Facebook page. We are reading your three word reviews. Hayden says, "I'm still skeptical." That's fair. It's fair to be skeptical still, Hayden. Oklahoma was 6-7 and seven last year. That, that's, I mean, that's all you got to say. Uh, Shane says, future looks bright. That goes, I mean, there's a lot of young players that played today and look pretty good, Shane. I, and, and most importantly, Jackson Arnold. <laughs> How about J- Jackson Arnold and Jacquez Petaway clearly having a connection? It's one of the things I said going into next year. I think I'll feel pretty good if, if one of the boxes that they check is those two linking up and having a good mm-hmm. chemistry and he was, he was looking his way. So I, mm-hmm. man, I'd love to see more of that. That, that really get me going, get me excited. Nathan says need more sacks, excuse me, need more sacks. And I'll piggyback off Nathan's three word review with Reginald's and it's the same exact one need more sacks. Um, so Nathan and Reginald are on the same page. And finally on the West of Evers Facebook page, Tim, he keeps things in perspective. Tim says it's Arkansas state. So you know what? I, 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 kind of a mix of positive and skeptical, but I think a little bit more 
cautiously optimistic slash skeptical three-word reviews on the West of Ever's Facebook page. And I, I think it's it's fair. It's it's totally okay. 100%. The best, well, no, I mean, I, I think the best middle ground here is just, like, it's okay to be really happy that they won their opener 73 to nothing. Don't take those for granted. I remember... There's been there's been plenty of openers that they've struggled in and they haven't two been lane. able to two lane <laughs> like stuff like that. I mean, I, I mean, I know that two lane team went to a BCS bowl next year, but that two lane team went two and ten, and, and OU probably should have lost that game. Um, <laughs> that that didn't happen this time around, and so I think it's it's totally okay to be very happy that they won seventy three to nothing. Uh, but just based off last year, it's still okay to be like, all right, I still need to see more. Um, but that's this is very much like an OU fan base anyway. I, I, you know, I think everybody is happy when they win, but I'm also kind of, um, it's sort of encouraging to me that there's not a whole lot of people being like, oh God, yeah, start printing the banners. This is great. Maybe a little bit more restraint from people, which is, it's just good. That's good to see. All right, let's go over to Twitter, also known as now X, and I am at Lee Benson tweets. Uh, that's where you can post your three-word reviews, and I put the prompt up. And so I'll start with my old News 9 buddy, Steve McGeehee, Thunder reporter for News 9. And Steve, very similar to our last three-word review from Facebook, Steve says, Arkansas State University or great first game. So he goes more like realistic, but then also more positive. So thank you, Steve. I know Steve was there at the game. This is the early time of the year where Steve can actually go to some OU and OSU football. Actually, it's usually just OU games before the Thunder get going, and then he's just all Thunder all the time. Another former co-worker, my buddy Jed Castles, meteorologist over at News 9. Huge OU guy, huge OU fan. Jed says, five-star rudimentary drubbing. And five-star, we're going we're gonna to count that as one word. So thanks for that, Jed. Another one of my friend buddies from uh, News Nine, uh, formerly News Nine, Angel says a good start. Angel, you're not going to get too high, not going to get too low. Angel's a huge OU guy. Gabe says, I like you know Gabe. Another kind of just measured, like not get too high, not get too low. Gabe says good. We'll see. <laughs> we shall. We shall. Uh, longtime listener Gonzo Strange Love always has an interesting take. Gonzo says D line only concern. Question mark. And then he also adds this note, Grant. He says, granted, there weren't a lot of stunts or design blitzes, but I wonder about depth being an issue. Otherwise, just about perfect. Oh, and his last three-word review is daring to hope. By the way, Grant, have you thought of a three-word review yet? No, I'm really bad at these. I'm just, I'm just, I, I think everyone else does such a great job. No, no reason for me to upstage anybody. <laughs> okay. Another longtime listener of the podcast, Josh, says, G freaky deaky. All right, so you have to fill me in on this, Grant, because I clearly I have not been as plugged in. I, so, what's does Gavin Freeman have some like G freaky? Is that a nickname that he's gotten, or is that a new thing today? Or I, I, I'll be honest with you, that's not. I I, I think I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure Toby Rowland called him that on the on the broadcast ah. today. I, I don't know. That's not a. I'm not as plugged in with that stuff anymore. I'm not. <laughs> like I'm like I'm one of those guys. Like I never know anybody's numbers either. I don't, like, I don't know a lot of that stuff. But like oddly, I always know like where they're from and what high school they went to. <laughs> uh, Josh also has another three word review. He says just game one, measured, fair. I like it. To your point a moment ago, Grant. Yeah, it looks like at least our listeners, those that comment. I mean, everybody's kind of like it seems like maybe everyone just remembers how last year went. Three and zero to start the year. 
Great start, but let's not get too carried away. It's just the first game against a bad team. Zach says he has a few. He has, I was entertained. <laughs> I was too. Hell yeah, I was. I love college football. So happy that college football is back. Uh, another one from Zach. He says, didn't get 80. <laughs> By the way, uh, Oregon. Oregon got to 80 today. Got something, uh, got something to work for next week then. Uh, Zach also says, got a shutout. And finally, long season yet. Just one game. There's still 11 more in the regular season, man. We're, we're early September. We're Labor Day weekend, baby. We got a long haul, but you know what? It's great. September, October, the two best months of the year for my money. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. There's still a lot of football left to go. Football is back. There's still a ton left to play. Oh, it's great. Uh, MB on Twitter slash, it's so weird calling it X. It's Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he goes, he says, it was Arc State. So, yep, another one of those. Oh, Zach has another three-word review. Zach says, better than Grinch. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're not wrong. You are not wrong about that at all. He definitely, like, an Alex Grinch defense definitely would have stunted themselves into, into some, some explosive run plays for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they would have. Uh, and finally, David says, doubled the spread. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, I like how he caught that. David catches the double of the spread. So, uh, thank you to those who post on the West of Evers Facebook page, and thank you to those who posted on Twitter, all your three-word reviews. I know uh, in the past we've given you about 24 hours because we normally had been recording the podcast the next day. Uh, today you only had about you know four or five hours to post. Uh, if, if you put your three-word review on Twitter or Facebook uh, you know, after the podcast, I apologize, but thank you for participating in that part of the show. It's always fun uh, to see what you all think about OU after the game. Other than that, I suppose we've kind of touched on it a little bit uh, during the, the main portion of it. Just a, a recap, maybe, of just some of the injury news from postgame. I mean, Drake Stoops, again, we talked about it. Uh, didn't sound like it's too serious. Venables mentioned that he could have came back and played if they needed him. We'll see. Uh, Desan McCullough, we'll see how long he's out with an ankle injury. Uh, didn't sound like it was too severe. And, you know, Gavin Sachuk, R. Mason Thomas, will we see them against SMU? I, I mean, I hope. If we see them at some point, I hope that means that they are 100%. And I get it in football at certain times of the year, there's no such thing as 100%. But at the start of the season, that's like the only time where I think you can be 100%. And so I want these guys, if they're going to play, please be at 100 because especially if Sachik has a hamstring grant, those can linger. And it would be really dumb if he's not fully 100% and then tweaks it and then he misses like, like way more time because he's really good based on the one bowl game. Other than that, I think the injury situation is pretty clean. I mean, minus, I mean, Davis Bevel, we'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he's, he's okay. Uh, but right now, Davis Bevel is the third-string quarterback and not the second-string quarterback. Other than that, uh, you know, we've talked about SMU briefly. You mentioned they blew out La Tech. It was 38-14. to 14. Uh, SMU covered the spread, so they... Uh, and that game was 31 to nothing at the half, so I think they kind of... Oh, okay. Maybe SMU sort of pulled back a little bit, knowing, knowing what they have next week, which that makes sense to me, because, I mean, they, they, they got out ahead of them really quickly. Preston Stone had a good day, 248 through the air, three touchdown passes, and LJ Johnson, their running back, and also, uh, they have, looks like they have two running backs, LJ Johnson and Jalen Knighton, but Johnson had a much better, bigger day, nine yards per carry and a touchdown. So that'll be interesting to see what he looks like on tape when we watch back that game. 
That's a big one, and it's a weird start time next week, 5 o'clock at Owen Field. I believe that's an ESPN Plus game, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double-check that. Um, That's because of the weird start time, and uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see if the offense can continue on. I mean, SMU, I'm not sure what kind of defense SMU has, but, I mean, only, you know, pitching a shutout against La Tech. La Tech, uh, I looked at their season expected win total, Grant. La Tech is at 6.5, so in theory, La Tech's a better football team than – the team that Oklahoma just played today, and SMU took care of them pretty easily. So potentially a, a more of a test in week one than OU got, and now SMU will be coming to Norman feeling pretty good about themselves, especially considering Oklahoma was 6-7 and seven last year and had a very shaky defense. So I, this is everything that you were saying beforehand going into the year. Like this SMU game could tell us a lot about this OU team. Yeah, and I don't think this is this doesn't seem sneaky anymore. I've noticed more people in the fan base talking about this game is actually this is not a layup and this is gonna be a pretty big test. So I, I don't think there's a lot of people going into this one thinking that OU is just gonna roll. Um, but hopefully maybe just being cautiously optimistic. And hey, another we talk about how how well the schedule sets up. I'm I'm really happy that it's in kind of just like a weird little fluke thing. Because they always have like this either you know the one ESPN Plus or pay per view game every single year, and um, it just so happens and this is it's it's they get a night game or an evening game and it's by far their toughest non conference opponent. Um, I think that's another little scheduling quirk that sort of works out for them. So um, I hope uh, hope everyone can get down there and tailgate and get all lubed up and uh, hopefully it's it's loud and everyone has a good time. All right, and just that is confirmed. Five o'clock next Saturday, and that is an ESPN Plus game. Uh, a game that I will, I'll be watching from my couch, I think, because the next day uh, I will be having to get up early in the morning to drive to Wyoming for work. But uh, none of you guys care about that at all. If I didn't have to do that, though, there's probably a good chance I'd be down there in Norman doing something, uh, either going to the game or at least partaking in the festivities. But. That'll be a primetime game, hanging out, watch. I know you'll be the same. Obviously, you'll be in Minnesota watching the game. And uh, also, I think uh, is I think Texas and Bama is a primetime matchup as well that night, I think. So it'll be maybe flipping back and forth, putting the, putting the uh, multiple screen action going on and having a good little uh, week two of college football Saturday night. Oregon-Texas Tech is at the same time, too. So there's, yeah, the next... Um the the night slate is pretty is pretty jacked next week and uh, and also hey man I'm I, I was joking around with this at, when we were watching the game earlier but pretty fired up now for Nebraska Colorado next week on Big Noon kickoff that's uh it's gonna be a great game and we didn't get into that but you got you got Colorado going in and beating TCU good screw the Big Twelve um <laughs> and that's just fun so man college football's back yeah the the Colorado Nebraska game. Uh, sound or looks way more interesting today than it did you know before and, and I think it was kind of interesting anyway just because of the idea of, of Deion Sanders versus Matt Rule kind of new new coaches and you know the two programs um, but yeah Colorado and then you know so on top of that Colorado's offense looking pardon me looking really good Shader Sanders looking great Travis Hunter looking really good Travis Hunter make, straight up looking like the best player in the country yeah and, and just other skill guys on the offense it makes and you brought this up earlier, it's even more exciting because that could be another potential pitfall for USC in the Pac-12. I mean, think about how many points and how many yards that offense can get against that USC defense. Uh, that, that total for that game is going to be insane, what that's set at. Uh, so that's interesting. 
And then I had one more thought. Oh, yeah, I mean, you and I, we were at Nebraska, Minnesota Thursday night. So we already saw Matt Rule's team in person. And I, you know, I, I don't think I, I, they didn't look very good. Their quarterback's not very good. I know Minnesota's defense is supposed to be good, but I, I don't know. I mean, that those two teams just looked kind of like they were beating each other up. So they looked I, like they looked like Nebraska has looked the last two years. Yeah, I, I thought the offense would be a little bit better, but I mean, I, Colorado's defense is pretty bad, probably. So Nebraska could open it up. Anyway, I mean, well, I guess we'll be able to find out if Nebraska's defense is actually any good against this Colorado offense. So, anyways, that you're right, though. That's that's a pretty interesting week two matchup, uh, even more interesting than it was before. All right, well, I think that about covers it. Oklahoma begins the season 1-0. Again, an impressive victory over Arkansas State. And uh, very optimistic now, or I mean, more optimistic, I think, than before, at least personally. Uh, my expectations were exceeded for this game. I know it's Arkansas State, but there's a lot to be happy about about Oklahoma football. And uh, let's see what happens in week two. Grant, any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? No, I'm just I'm, I'm glad they won. I, I'm glad OU football is back glad they kind of uh at least in this first game they got back to doing what OU football is supposed to do which is absolutely massacring people all right well we'll be back in the middle of the week to preview OU versus SMU until then for Grant I am Lee this is West of Everest if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe to the show and if you want to help us spread the word please leave us a five-star review and also Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.